Okay, so I'm the audiobook girl. We get it. Fine. I am you listening. You said that as if anyone would fight you on it. <laughs> <laughs> Came out of the gate immediately defensive. <laughs> Please go on. <laughs> I know. I like every audiobook person. I'm like, it's reading, I swear. I don't even care if it is reading. I just have a lot of time that I can listen to stuff. It is reading. Yeah, it's great. So <laughs> um, a friend of mine very kindly shares his like epic audible library with more than a couple people (laughs) um what a saint it's so good it's the best combination of fantasy and sci-fi but someone who uses the account downloaded all the harry potter audiobooks which i love because now i can listen to them without having given money to jk the turf myself yeah that's true uh so I don't know what is going on with my brain that the only media I can consume right now is Harry Potter, but fine. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yes. We know that those books were anti-Semitic, racist, like every single bad Mm -hmm. thing, but they're also so fat phobic. Are they really? I have not read them since they came out and I read them, you know, the one time I did as a kid through teen or whatever. I can't believe I'm going to admit this right now. So I was very young. My parents read them to me, slash I also learned how to read with them. But there was a point where my parents, who would always read ahead, did the, you know, you're old enough, read them on your own. And I went, oh, we're not going to read them as a family anymore. I'm not reading them. So Uh. I didn't finish the last two books. See, that's funny. That's the difference between being the the only child and the youngest of five. My parents handed me the first book when I was, I think, seven. And they're like, go have fun. And off I ran to read Harry Potter in a corner by myself. It was the wiser move. But Harry got whiny at the end. I was kind of out before I was out. I have very, honestly, I was never as into Harry Potter as everyone around us was. So... Yes, I went to like Harry Potter parties. I went to the release stuff, but I read the books once. I didn't sit or like, I, I don't know. There's people in my life who are very, very into Harry Potter, and I think that's great. But I, I, it was just not the the nerd thing that I dove into as heavily. I was in the same camp. I knew the stuff. I did the quiz or whatever, but I wasn't mm-hmm. the Harry Potter freak. But oh my goodness, Hermione is not as cool as media has promised me. JK kept hamstringing her with these, like, quote-unquote nerdy girl choices. Oh. And it's also a product of its time. Like, it it came out, what, 30 years ago? Yeah, wait, it... <sighs> there's so much better media now. I think that's why the younger generations are all into the Percy Jackson books. Isn't that, like, the thing the generation after us got into? I don't know. I'm just, I am for some reason watching all the movies and listening to all the books. And thank God I can half listen to them because there are moments where I just go, oh, so we let that slide. Huh. Yeah. Like every person who is bad in this series is overweight and we're just fine with linking those two ideas. In paragraphs and paragraphs of very insulting text for no reason. Are you sure this is the media you're choosing to bring you joy? I know. What is wrong with me? But now at this point, you know when you start hate watching something, you don't fully hate it, but you also get that weird secret little thrill out of being like, ha, 
I I see the badness. <laughs> this is such a clear way to describe that you run on snacks and spite. You're spite. <laughs> you're spite enjoying this. Yeah, yeah. I it's this Audible library has interview with a vampire on it too. I could consume more iconic fantasy media, but I choose <laughs> this turf's garbage. And we, we, you know, we have a mythology podcast. <laughs> there are all these moments where I get it's to go, research. oh, look, that's that, that's that story that you just plucked right out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just research. You're really just expanding your mind. Oh, my goodness. The number of things that we can just drop under the category of research. Amazing. I love it. Hey, hi, I'm Rowan Hall. I heavily research for this podcast. Hi, I'm Tracy Harrison. I think about things sometimes, and then we have a podcast. Actually, I take that back. I'm Tracy Harrison. No thoughts. Head empty. Have a podcast. It's cute. I get the gaff, but you text me in the wee hours of the morn. <laughs> about this podcast (laughs) i had to stop myself from texting you at three in the morning last night because i was thinking about the podcast um but i knew if i texted you at three in the morning i would get a response back saying shut up go to sleep so i just didn't send the text you don't know i might say go to sleep shut up (laughs) there's a variety it's true it's it was presumptuous of me Oh, wait. Also, this is Willing and Fable, the podcast where we bring you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. (laughs) And if you, dear listener, would like to support our podcast, take a second to download the episode. It's fast, it's free, and really, it helps us so much. Whatever platform you're on, just hit download or leave a like and review. It's also great. Or consider becoming a patron on patreon.com slash willingandfable if you feel like it. You can join our really fun Discord community. Tracy will create some art for you. I could write a story for you. Mm -hmm. We love our patrons madly. It's not a cult. We promise, maybe. Our patrons helped me create a new D&D character yesterday. You posted that on the Discord I responded first, and then I sat back and I went, this is going to be good. <laughs> it was so good. I needed a first-level character, and we came up with a barbarian mom. Her name is Yikes O'Brien, and she's friends with Mrs. Tizzle. Oh, yeah. Casey was also playing, for those who've, who've listened to our podcast before, Casey was playing a rat folk, so she was this tiny little mouse woman. And we were just moms who were going on a little adventure for the weekend. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. It was so funny and it was so much fun. So we were, uh, (laughs) thank you to our patrons who gave me all those suggestions. It made such a good character because I was specifically joining the campaign to help my older sister and her friends get a little bit more comfortable with role playing, a little bit more comfortable with D&D. So to just play the most absurd barbarian mom and her mouse friend mom characters, ugh delightful i know i messaged and i pitched like cleric and artificer and immediately after i posted that message i was like tracy likes to smash things what are you doing that was such a bad suggestion (laughs) but the chat came through (laughs) the chat really came through so if that's something you're interested in you can join us on patreon or you can write a love letter to no one in particular 
and leave it on the street or in a cafe so that it might be found by a stranger and thus begin the mystery of a lifetime for someone else. But no matter what you do, we're happy you clicked on this episode. Ooh, that's spicy. Yeah, a fun little, a little note you can leave. Really create a little intrigue in someone else's life. You're in a letter-writing mood because of all the wax seals that you've been making. <laughs> I've made so many, gosh darn, wax seals. <laughs> Tracy is very popular on TikTok for making wax seals per the color requests of TikTok, mm-hmm. and it is so wholesome. <laughs> it's very fun. It's um, so sweet. I Every time one of your videos comes up, okay, you know when you do the thing where you see a video from someone you know and you have that, I have to instantly watch this because I know that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you like it and you can, you know that person so you can keep going. I watch your videos multiple times because it oh. is delightful to watch you cook wax over a freaking tea candle. What is even <laughs> happening? It, it's, it's the satisfaction of those acrylic pouring videos, but then you also get the little clinky clacky sounds of the wax beads. I just fell down a rabbit hole one day of enjoying those videos, and then I bought the supplies and started making them, and people seem to really like it. So that's my my silly little niche. I'm going to need you to take all the wax seals that you have made and stick them to one envelope and then mail that letter to someone. <laughs> Do I have to stick them vertically? Because I think I would need to put it in a box. No, just the whole letter. I covered every square inch in as many wax seals as can fit. We're going like legal sized bill kind okay, of looking okay, letter. Okay. Because I need a little bit of space for the address. Right. Exactly. The tiniest Perfect. little address. Yeah. All the wax seals and I guess a bunch of stamps. Yeah. But maybe just peppered in amongst the wax seals. <laughs> <laughs> Someone did suggest potentially sending the wax seals to patrons, letting them pick out which ones they like. So. You can reach out to us if you're a patron and on the Discord, let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. (laughs) They're just sitting in a dish in my house. No one reach out to Tracy. No one let her unload these beautiful wax seals. Let's see how long it takes for her house to fill with them. (laughs) (laughs) It's the this is fine dog meme, but it's just me with wax seals everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Rowan, we are here today to talk about our good friends Thea and Roslyn, so can you recap what happened in the last chapter of The Wizard and the Rogue? Yeah, these stupid little silly geese decided they were going to go up. (laughs) Well, you could get on in the water if you're going to be a silly goose. (laughs) Us at our own characters. (laughs) They did. They got in the water. They were like, hey, you know what? Let's go to the library, which seems like it's going to be so safe, except they're in a magical universe where to get into the library, they have to put on like one robe and do some. That's my favorite part of the whole chapter. Their get along robe. <laughs> and get through the magical security of the library. Mm-hmm. This big university school library that is protected by the power of government and capitalism. And they're going to get access to the heretical texts, which are under lock and key. And they encounter mm-hmm. this very anxious librarian named byron who they i guess now have to convince to help them yep okay that is where we left off are you ready to pick up 
with chapter seven of The Wizard and the Rogue? Yes and no. Let's do it. (laughs) Rowan's got some fun voices she has to try and do today. (laughs) Y'all. I make no promises. We never make any promises. We're just here for a good time. Not a well done time. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone say nice things about Tracy when you next encounter her. She works really hard and she does a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I mean, just that is just standard. Can we just play that at the start and end of every episode? (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Welcome to Willing and Fable. Everyone needs to say nice things to Tracy right now. Yep. All the time. Okay. Let's get into it. Chapter 7. In Thea's experience, Byron Bechet was a man who struggled with... Well, he tended to struggle with everything. Even on his best day, he was constantly awash with fears and anxieties and today was very far from his best day. He paced the dark corner he dragged Thea and Rosalind into, though given the length of his legs and the closeness of the space, his pacing was more like step-step-turn, step-step-turn. Still, it got the point across. Hand firmly gripped into his hair and clutching onto the poor strands for all they were worth, Byron paced for a good five minutes before suddenly stopping in his tracks and staring down his sharp nose at Thea. This is ridiculous, Thea, even for you. I should report you to the school authorities. I I should have your robes taken away. I should have you and your friend associate. Associate, the two women said in unison. Dragged out of here in cuffs. I should make sure you lose access to the library altogether. I should make sure- Byron, just- Give me a moment to explain, all right? If you're not satisfied with my reasoning for coming here, then you can call the guards and have me sent back to prison. Back? Byron balked. Did you say back to prison? It's been a weird few days, Byron. Will you at least let me explain? He looked between the two women, back and forth, taking in the bandages and faded bruises trailing along their bodies. He was clearly undecided as to how he wanted to handle this situation. Thea tried to relax and smile what she sincerely hoped was a placating smile at Byron before asking, Could you give us a moment? She didn't wait for his reply before grabbing Rosalind's arm and dragging her two steps backwards into the shadows. Rosalind, perhaps you should let me and Byron talk alone, Thea whispered. I'm not leaving you here by yourself. I'm not telling you to leave the library. Just get out of sight for a while. I'm sure you can hide in the stacks without getting caught. I just need some time to speak with Byron without you lurking behind me like an intimidating shadow. Rosalind, who up until this moment would have proudly listed lurking among the top skills in her repertoire, responded with, I do not lurk. I'm not interested in arguing semantics. Just please make yourself scarce for a few minutes. And for all the good and joy that the saints bring into this world, please, please don't touch anything you shouldn't touch. 
Rosalind shot her a glare that skipped warning and went straight for Deadly. If Thea had been less distracted trying to make sure Byron hadn't run away, she might even have wilted under the look. Instead, she just whispered, Listen, we both know we need his help to figure out how to break this oath. Just, just trust me to do this one thing without you hovering around. A long, long stretch of tense silence followed. Hmm. Fine. Rosalind finally relented. But keep that letter opener on you and don't do anything stupid. I wouldn't dream of it. Thea caught Rosalind rolling her eyes as she disappeared into the shadows as though she were made of darkness. She squinted after the assassin but could see no trace of her among the long lines of stacks in the library. By the time Thea turned back to Byron, he had his head in his hands again and was mumbling to himself. This is a nightmare. I should walk away from you, pretend you never came in here. I should call the head librarian. I should- Byron! Byron! Thea said in a soft, placating tone. There's no need to get upset. We both know that what one should do and what one ought to do are often different things. The man's brow furrowed somehow deeper. That makes no sense. They're synonyms. Those words mean the same thing. Thea kept a bland smile on her face. What I'm saying is that, well, perhaps you should turn us in. The truth is that you won't, because you know that you ought to listen to my offer first. Your offer? Yes. I'm not going to just sneak in here and demand you take me to a forbidden room of the library without offering you something first. That sounds exactly like something you would do. Well, I'm not, this time, all right? Thea took a calming breath before continuing on. You're a promising talent, Byron. You have been since we were in school together. But talent will only get you so far. You could be the next sable or even the next seat to the saint of study, but you'll never get there without the proper connections. At this point in your career, if you want to advance, then it's all about who you know, and I can help you with that. Wide, brown eyes squinted at her in distrust. That was fair, Thea decided. She'd done little to earn his trust over the years and even more to lose it. Regardless, she continued on as though they were the best of friends and this was a perfectly normal conversation to have while hiding in the shadows of the stacks of a library. I can have a message delivered from my father to the head of the library, praising whatever you please. Your work ethic, your ingenuity, your research, your clever little brain. A letter like that will ensure a promotion very quickly. Why would your father write a letter like that? Oh, he won't. I will write it. But I have his seal. All the head of the library will see is a letter with Eamon Blackthorne's official seal delivered to her office. After that, the contents will hardly matter. She'll do whatever the letter says, just in case it's real. But, but that's lying! It won't be real! What if she finds out? 
What if your father find out? What if he tries to ruin me because of this? Byron, please know that I mean this with all kindness and respect, but you're not important enough for my father to ruin. If there are any consequences to these actions, which there will not be, they will fall on me. Byron chewed his lip and took a step back, staring off into the middle distance as a war raged inside of him. His eyes darted back and forth as he seemed to be doing calculations on the pros and cons of this offer in his mind. Thea waited patiently for him to come to the conclusion that she knew he would. There was no better offer to be found. She was his only ticket to success, and they both knew it. So, Byron squared his shoulders and looked at Thea, a decision finally made. No. Oh, I knew you'd- What? Thea gasped. No! No. He repeated more firmly this time. I won't do it. Not until I know why you want to access the heretical texts. You're asking me to risk my life and career for you, and I don't even know why. You don't need to know why, Byron. You just need to know that you're getting a very good deal out of this. All you need to do is open a few doors and your entire career will be set for life, and you're saying no. I'm either your last resort or your only option, so you're clearly desperate for my help. And I won't give it until I know why you need it. (sighs) I hate that you've decided to grow a spine. Now, of all times. You do know that, right? Byron didn't respond. Finally, Thea threw up her hands in frustration. Fine, I'll tell you, all right? But you're not going to like it, Byron, and you must keep your mouth shut. Agreed. So, Thea told him the story of the last few days. The tavern, the jail cell, the escape attempt, the being impaled by an arrow, the blood oath, the successful escape, and the assassin waiting in her apartment. And that's why we came here, to find a way to break this bond between us. I'm not exactly thrilled to have my life tethered to someone who fights and kills for a living. Byron steepled his fingers under his chin. But... You fulfilled your end of the bargain, right? Yes, I got us out of the prison. But you're still trapped in this bond with her, even though you fulfilled your end? Yes. Apparently my life is still in danger, or her wording was just too vague and we'll never be able to break the bond. I'm not sure. That's why I'm here, Byron, to figure this out. It's just, it doesn't make sense, he replied. I would imagine that you shouldn't be affected by her if you fulfilled your end of the bargain. Well, I can tell you for a fact that if I harm her, the exact same harm comes right back to me. Oh, well, that does make sense, was his nonsensical reply. That, of all the things I've said to you today, that makes sense. Think about it. If you were trapped in a bond with someone and you wanted to end the bond, killing that person would be a very simple way to do it, but if you hurt them and the same damage is done to you, it removes that as an option, thus forcing you to fulfill the bargain that you made. That's actually a rather ingenious solution. 
I'm thrilled you find this all so fascinating, Byron. Can I assume that means you're willing to help me? For the sake of intellectual research and the interest of furthering my career, yes, I will help you. Thea stuck out her hand. It's a deal, then. Byron's long fingers wrapped around Thea's hand as they shook. Thea gave him a conspiratorial grin. What do you think? Should we seal the deal in blood just to see what happens? The color immediately drained from Byron's face as his jaw dropped open in a horrified frown. Thea pulled her hand back and tucked it into her robes. Oh, Byron, someday you will learn to take a joke, and I very much look forward to that day. Byron blew out a shaky breath and forced out a terrible fake laugh. <laughs> Don't hold your breath on that one, Thea. Thea shrugged. Fair enough. Now, tell me, how do we get access to the heretical texts? Byron opened his mouth to answer when a loud crash came from somewhere much deeper in the library. Both looked wide-eyed in the direction of the noise as Thea muttered, Oh, suffering saints. In a distant part of the library, surrounded by vast tomes of leather-covered books, Rosalind explored the grand building from the shadows. She objectively knew the rows and rows of stacks had to end somewhere, but she certainly hadn't found it yet. Every so often, the stacks would be broken up by cubbies filled with small desks and chairs occupied by frazzled-looking students. On and on and on it all went, books, and tables, and chairs, and desks, and scrolls, and... Wait, a break in the monotony was just up ahead. Rosalind slipped out of the shadows of the stacks and into a wide, open rotunda. The room seemed to mostly act as a sort of connection point for various hallways in the building, though in the center of the floor, and clearly the centerpiece of the grand room, was a gigantic orrery mapping out the stars. It seemed to move and rotate on its own as it mapped the movement of constellations across the sky. Even Rosalind was impressed. Light streamed in gently from somewhere up above, but Rosalind couldn't see an opening in the ceiling when she looked up. Saints, she couldn't even see a ceiling at all. The upper floors of the library were filled with small platforms that seemed to move on their own. Or maybe they didn't move solely on their own, as they appeared to be controlled by wizards who used them to collect books from the upper floors. Rosalind shook her head. What was wrong with using ladders? Wizards always had to make things so much more complicated than they needed to be. Voices to her left caught her attention. It was two male voices speaking in hushed tones. Rosalind ducked back into the shadows and frowned. She knew one of those voices. It irked her. The fact that she couldn't place the sound, and also the voice itself, irritated her. It was so haughty and condescending. A pit formed deep in her stomach. She definitely knew that voice. As he rounded the corner, Rosalind's suspicions were confirmed. Captain Alaric, head of the city guard, man who was currently hunting Rosalind and Thea for escaping under his watch, and certified asshole, 
was standing not ten feet in front of her. I have it on good authority that the two prisoners snuck in here. I want every door and window locked down until we find them. Do you understand me? Yes, Captain. A chilling smile crossed his face. Good. I want to have that assassin strung up as an example to the rest. And I know that little girl had something to do with the escape. Find them both, and I'll deal with the rest. This was bad. This was very, very bad. Rosalind needed to get back to Thea and Byron before they got caught. But first, she needed a distraction. A very loud distraction to give her enough time to get back to Thea before any guards found her. A smile crossed Rosalind's lips as she eyed the giant orrery again, so large and balanced so precariously. That would do quite nicely, she decided. Oh my goodness me. (laughs) (laughs) My original intent for this chapter was to try and do the heist we talked about. And then as I was sitting down to write it, it, Byron did not want to be convinced. I hate it when the characters just say, no, you can't have it yet. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I also love Byron. (laughs) I love Byron so much. As I was writing this chapter, I was like, oh no, he's my baby boy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that if I knew him, I would not like him. I think I would. I think I am him. Like the idea of like, well, what if your dad finds out that we wrote a fake letter and then he gets mad at me about it? I'm like, that came from my heart. That came from (laughs) me. (laughs) I really love that you just planted this giant event that involves a lot of gravity uh, mm-hmm. for me. Thank thank you. Yeah. Any, ah! Anytime. <laughs> I hope to do you proud in the next chapter. Oh, I'm sure you will. I'm excited for you to explore the multi-level library situation. Those platforms was, fun fact, an idea Rowan came up with, the way things move around. So that was just a little seed for a bigger plant that Rowan's going to grow. Yeah, we've talked about the layout of the library, the way that it looks, up a bit. Mm-hmm. Which we don't usually do. We don't usually talk about spaces to quite that level of detail. No, we were just both library nerds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I looked up a ton of pictures of really pretty royal libraries to get an idea of how this place could be laid out. Write the library you want to see in the world. <laughs> exactly. okay so you want to talk questions post episode story questions yeah i thought we could we could go back to asking each other a few questions about our thought process and and the way that we work on this story so my first one for you is what is your favorite thing that i've contributed to the story Ooh, (sighs) i Right off the top of my head, I really loved when you wrote the lightning fight scene. Oh, thank you. That was a fun one. That encouraged me to start thinking about how to depict these women in space in a really different way. Because I think our our story is naturally pretty internal. We get a lot Mm -hmm. of their thoughts, and I can tend to get stuck there. And that fight and using the scenery to kind of define how how they moved and how that looked really inspired me 
I really loved that. And I had no idea that that was going to happen. So it was extra fun. <laughs> oh, I love that. So then the reverse of that is, for me, what's my favorite thing you've contributed to the story? And obviously, you know, the Blood Oath was like your baby. That was a great thing that has like fully shaped what this story is about. But I, <laughs> I, I have to say, the way that you wrote Byron and introduced him and the, the way he is, we talked about it a little bit. He specifically is kind of a foil for Thea and her anxieties mm -hmm. because Rosalind's so calm that it makes Thea look paranoid when Thea's so clearly morally gray, kind of out for herself a little bit, really tends to be so wrapped up in her hatred of her father and her family that she wants to rebel more than she wants to make good choices. But when paired with Rosalind, who's just a really chill assassin who kind of is always thinking four steps ahead of whoever's around her, it makes Thea look neurotic and anxious. Mm -hmm. So adding in Byron and getting to see the way that Thea gets the upper hand on him, but then he flips it and realizes he has the power. Like, that was really fun that, that you brought into the story. I really specifically wanted to show that Thea can sometimes be nervous and she can sometimes be very heady, but she is not paranoid. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I be because I so like the different ways that they think, I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just think having a third person who is a next extra level really grounds it a little bit more. I wrote him for you. He's for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I really enjoyed him. My next question for you is what is your favorite part of writing The Wizard and the Rogue? The witty banter. <laughs> I think about their banter all the time. I have little chunks of banter written down in various places to use or not use at any given moment. I love the way these two women just snipe at each other all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was actually really interesting writing in this chapter, Thea saying, at first I had it as this big moment of like, trust me, like, let me handle this. And then it was too big for such a small, like, mm. go away, let me talk to him. So I dialed it back a bit. But I think this was a big step in them learning that they have to trust each other to be able to meet their goals. That part was really funny because you said, you know, without you lurking. And I immediately went, oh, but I don't lurk. And then the <laughs> next sentence. <laughs> I also noticed that the line right after that where she's – like, just don't touch anything, okay? You glared at me so hard. <laughs> and then the next line was Rosalind shot her a glare that skipped warning and went straight for deadly. And it was perfect. I don't think everyone realizes that I act out the entire chapter while it's being read. I don't. It doesn't matter who's saying what. If I have a voice that I have to do, I'm doing the faces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm in it. Tracy's writing. Hand gestures, faces, expression. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm here for you. I'm going on your journey. I get so excited. Byron's shoulders are a whole thing <laughs> oh they're up they're they're, they're, up. they're, they're touching his ears oh, for his sure. lanky little ears <laughs> <laughs> i would say for me the dialogue is really really fun it's also collaborating like the unique experience of getting to pour both of our ideas into a story and it be better for it mm. has been so cool 
Yeah, I have decided recently that I am only a half a brain and that without you, there, what is there, really? Like, could you imagine doing this on your own? I mean, maybe you could, but I can't. I can't even do this with you. Rowan did have to point out a couple of <laughs> inconsistencies. You do that for me all the time. You're selling yourself short. That's the that is the process. One mm-hmm. of us will be like, I have this great idea, and the other one will be like, Okay, but like small continuity here. Like continue. <laughs> like you do that to me so often. <laughs> it's so weirdly stressful thinking about the fact that everything we put on here is canon, and then having to remember because it. it's not like oh we're writing a story on our own. It's a, it's a book that's going to be published. An editor's going to review it. They're going to check things before it even reaches the public. All this content. It's like, we're, <laughs> we're writing this by the seat of our pants, if that's – is that a saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if, if there's a continuity error, it's actually not. It's a spicy little um, Easter egg. Right. It's for the listeners. <laughs> So what is something you hope people will pick up on in the story? Oh, gosh. I'm so deep in the future on this, like, thinking about what's going to come up. Um, I do hope people enjoy the magic systems as much as we do. I Mm -hmm. devote a lot of time and brain space to thinking about how the magic systems compare and contrast. And I I tend to not be as technically minded about magic systems as other people are. Like, folks love to analyze the rules of, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or something, and I just don't care. I'm along for the journey. Right. But I, I have been thinking about this a lot, and we talk about it a lot, so I hope that people... Get a kick out of it. <laughs> yeah. Mine's similar. It's not the magic system, but it's the kind of religious and government system. We've been dropping hints of the sables and the saints and the seats. We've got a whole system worked out and we're slowly introducing you to it. But it's it's something we spent hours talking through. And it's such an integral part of what the world is and the power structure that I am excited to continue dropping nuggets as to how that works. I also get really excited imagining what the world physically looks like mm-hmm. because it the, the space that it occupies in time is not exactly like full, quote unquote, like fantasy stereotype mm-hmm. and it's not exactly steampunk and it's certainly not modern. It's just this really specific blend that you and I made and I like mentally living in that space so mm-hmm. I hope that I hope that there's enough there that other people like it also like they can maybe like when I read a book sometimes I imagine myself as an extra like what I would look like being in that right. space so I, I hope that that is also an, a, a good old time <laughs> nothing would make me happier than people sending us either their own art or just images that that make them think of this world, what they imagine, what they imagine Thea and Rosalind look like, what they imagine the world looks like. Truly, that would be the greatest gift I could ever receive. Thea and Rosalind are both 90% hair. Their look is 90% defined by their hair. Yeah, in, in very different ways, where Thea's got the blunt, short, dark hair, and it's like a look, and Rosalind just actually is 97% hair. <laughs> 
Which, now that you're saying it, it seems like it should be flipped. That's the fun of them. Everything about yeah. them should be flipped. They're they're breaking breaking stereotypes, breaking tropes all the way. Every chance they get. Being tropes. <laughs> Being tropes, breaking tropes. That's how we do it. Never know what you're going to get. And neither do we. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. In for real life, mm-hmm. Tracy, tell me something good. My something good this week is that I recently got to work with our composer for the podcast, Taylor Ash. I did a photo shoot for her for her new album, Vignettes, that's coming out. And it was so much fun. I have a little studio set up in my basement. So we did a bunch of uh, two di- mainly two different looks. There's a third look that's got a couple of pictures that we like, but they're very different and getting to play around with them. And um, my sister, Jamie, was there helping with lighting and helping us be creative with that. And she did a bunch of graphic design work for the album. So getting to stretch those creative muscles and work with someone that I respect so highly and think so highly of was just really exciting. And it was really, really fun. It is so cool that I get the behind the scenes looks. Like you yes. guys started sending me parts of it very early. Oh, and yeah. I felt like a cheerleader. I was just screaming about all the beautiful, beautiful shots that came from that. It really excites me seeing you and Taylor and Jamie collaborate. I guess I'm also in in some ways a part of like all of us collaborate. We knew each other in high school, middle school, grade school, like all of us. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. Wow, I've known I've known Taylor since I was 10 and you since I was I don't know, 6. I think yeah, we think we figured it out it was kindergarten. Yeah. Um yeah, I've known Taylor since I don't know, middle school, high school, I don't know. But we've been all of us collaborating for so long now. It's just mm-hmm. every time I think about it, I my mind is boggled. Especially because so much of high school in particular, you're like, ah, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. And then there are these really good people that we have all held on to, which is very fortuitous because like people like Taylor and you and Jamie and everyone, they're just so talented. We're so lucky. I mean, you think about it when you're in high school and you think everyone who's got talent in your life is going to be famous and going to go on to do amazing things with their talent. And then you go out into the real world and people just kind of end up doing other stuff. And pretty much everyone we knew in high school who's really into some kind of artistic thing, whether that's music or drawing or photography or acting or whatever, has found a way to continue doing that in their life. Yeah. And... You know, I should amend this a little bit. I say talent, but when I, I mean that like specific combination of working really hard and practicing mm-hmm. a lot and using your interests. But also, I think, yeah, there's this just very, I don't know where it comes from, but just this idea that like, if you don't make this thing your career, then you clearly don't love it that much. And we are surrounded by a lot of people that we collaborate with for this podcast on the daily, but also mm-hmm. a lot of people that we knew who still create their art and have other careers and both aspects of their life are really fulfilling. And it is nice to see that in a very adult, healthy way, because there's this like mania to high school of like, if you don't do the one thing that you've decided is your thing, 
It, oh, yeah. I remember in high school genuinely thinking to myself, oh, I would rather die than end up in an office job. That's the worst thing I could possibly imagine. I've got a great day job. Um, it's very fulfilling and it enables me to do wonderful hobbies. Like the just the life you imagine when you're 15 to 18 and then the reality of existing in the world are really different and it's not a failure to change your life path. No, no. And just, I don't know. So knowing everyone for this long, the art that everyone is creating now is just such a level above. Like, I have had the opportunity to see both of our writing when we were a little squidgy widgets. Like, we could, thank God we stuck with it and mm-hmm. learned something. And it's those moments where, you know, I hear Taylor's music. I wish I could just go back to, like, little past Taylor and be like, you are going to be so proud of yes. adult you. Yes. Uh, just seeing the journey where everyone went to, it's amazing. So uh, that was just a cool culmination of years of knowing each other and getting to to collaborate um that was really great so now it is your turn rowan to tell me something good mine is a little more chill um (laughs) there's this bar near where a bunch of us live that is vaccine only like you Mm -hmm. have to bring your vaccine card you have to pay to get like a little membership Mm -hmm. so that everyone in there can wear no mask and know that you're safe and good and boosted uh and we love it there. It's also very spooky and goth. Uh, love all of that. All yeah. of that. 10 out of 10. And all of us went recently, and I haven't been out of that house in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really nice to see everyone. And now that we're all hanging inside so much, whenever we go out, everyone's just real committed to the look. Like, whatever look they're doing, they're just doing it so yes. hard. And it's it's really fun to have this bar that we go to where you know the owner knows us it's our local spot there's enough things that you know someone could enjoy everything from a a, like a weird soda to like a cool cocktail Mm -hmm. it's safe which is not to be underestimated while living in the city um and it was just really nice to be out and i forget that because i'm an introvert like i love sitting and writing and Mm -hmm. But it was just really nice to sit with my friends in a very loud space. and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. With your people. Because it's still a safe space with your people that you get to hang out with and enjoy. But it's – even – I get it. Even as an introvert, like, getting the chance to just be out for a little bit. Although, I, was it exhausting? Like, did you come home more tired than you expected? Or was it really energizing for you? You know, it was interesting. After that particular night, I had to come home and write for the podcast. And so <laughs> it really worked out on my behalf. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes I am exhausted. I think part of it, I had a really specific moment where I realized a lot of the men that I'm friends with, just, I realized how aware they are of their roles in society Mm -hmm. and how women are affected by existing and what that looks like in a bar, especially. Yes. And I just had a really cool moment where I got to see a lot of the men who I adore just mm-hmm. like prove that they're trying their best <laughs> to yeah. care for people who are in more vulnerable positions than they are. And for some reason, like that was the thing that really energized me. And I guess, you know, like feeling safe 
really does allow you to like <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> to be free and like enjoy mm-hmm. life so i just felt very proud of my friends which i don't think is normal you're not supposed to go out to a bar to be like ah oh, yes i'm so proud <laughs> i constantly think about how proud i am of my friends we talk about this on the podcast a lot because i'm the friend that will text you two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday to be like, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you and I think you're wonderful and the way that you do blah, blah, blah is so amazing. And like, I just constantly think about how amazing my friends are and the people in my life are and how fulfilled I am by getting getting to know them. Like, I get to know these people and be friends with them. That mm-hmm. is the best feeling to have. It is, yeah. We've got cool people. I guess in conclusion, our something good was people that we yeah. like. Weird introverts, how odd. Oh, it's the most introverted way of expressing that. Of, of, I've thought very deeply about why I enjoy you so much as a human. <laughs> At the exclusion of all other beings, mm-hmm. I enjoy you. I have a friend who, when she gets drunk, gives the best, most in-depth compliments about who you are as a human being and why you're wonderful. And it's my favorite thing in the whole world. It's so chaotic and cute. <laughs> It's wonderful. Oh, and hey, speaking of which, you, yes, you, who are listening in your car, on your headphones, or while you're doing the dishes, we choose you too. We like what you're doing, and we're proud of you. We're so proud of you. You're doing a really great job, and honestly, it's just, like, really cool yeah. to get to connect with you and, like, see you rocking it. All the work you're putting in is not going unnoticed. We see you. And if you're just laying in bed doing nothing, that's so cool of you to prioritize yourself. And we see that and respect it. Rest is a biological imperative. Keep it up, you human. (laughs) And thank you so much for joining us. And remember that stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our editor is Tyler Fetzik. Our music is by Taylor Ash. And our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch. Or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. Chapter 7. <clears throat> Already. Wow. Ooh, <laughs> my voice. <gasps> oh. The lemon water just hit like the back of my tongue in a very <laughs> spicy way. Girl, get it together. Mm-mm. <laughs>